Hi, everyone, and welcome to Badass Women at Any Age. This is your host, Bonnie Marcus. So, question for you. What would you do if you found yourself without a house, without a spouse, without a job, or any kids to take care of? Think about that a minute. My guest today, Michelle Fishburne, took to the road and became a full-time nomad. And today, she's going to share her story with us. Michelle was an international attorney for a decade in Washington, D.C. And for a time, she was a stay-at-home mom and a homeschool educator. But life turned upside down during 2020 COVID. In that spring, she lost her job and couldn't find another one despite months of trying. And at the end of July 2020, when the lease on her post-divorce house was up, her youngest was going off to college, Michelle found herself in this situation without a house and a spouse and a job. And so what she did was focus on what she had, right? She did have a 2006 motorhome, a lot of curiosity and a lot of experience RVing all over the country. And she combined all of this into a cross-country project where she was interviewing people about their lives during the pandemic. And I think she clocked about 12,000 miles, interviewed hundreds of people. And this is all going to be in her book, which is coming out March 14th, called Who We Are Now, Stories of What Americans Lost and Found During the COVID-19 Pandemic. Michelle, welcome to Badass Women. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm excited to be here. I've been following your podcast for a long time, so it's pretty neat to be a part of it. So you've been following it. Do you think you qualify as a badass? <laughs> I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think um, so, too. <laughs> I mean, it really was kind of startling at the age of 57 to wake up on August 1st, 2020, without a house, a spouse, a job, or a kid to take care of anymore, especially given that I had a law degree from UVA. I had been an international lawyer flying all over the world. Never really thought I was going to be quite as mm, challenged or have as much scarcity as I did that morning when I woke up on August 1st. So let's start at the beginning. How did you arrive <laughs> there? How did you arrive where you are today? Where I am today? Well, so what happened on that morning well, it happened actually a little bit before. So I had been a national PR and partnerships person for a national nonprofit. And um, I had been really, we had been doing so well. We had um, events we were organizing on the Capitol Hill. We were talking with John Legend's people about an event, talking to the Milk and Global Conference people. Everything was going great guns. And then COVID hit and we couldn't do any of it. So it was a nonprofit and I got laid off in the middle of March. And I thought, no problem. You know, I have so many skills and I'm, I'm so competent and I work so hard. I'll be able to find another job. Well, I submitted 86 customized cover letters. I mm -hmm. even told people I would work for them for free 
as a 57-year-old intern, nobody wanted me. Not a soul. And so in the middle of July of 2020, with the lease on the post-divorce house coming up, I thought to myself, okay, where am I going to tell the movers to take my stuff when they come on July 31st? And sometimes in life, that's that simple moment that says, okay, you're either badass or just curl up and go, yeah. you know, crumble. And so that there I was sitting in the Target parking lot going, okay, Michelle, you have to decide where are they going to put your stuff. And it didn't make any sense to get an apartment or rent a place because I had no idea where I'd have to go to get a job. When you offer your services for free and nobody wants you, that's pretty pitiful. And so, <laughs> so I thought, well, okay, I'll just have them put them in storage and I'll move into my 2006 motorhome. And I thought about, well, I could take it to the beach and try to consult from there. But, you know, insanity is trying to keep doing things that weren't working and obviously reaching out and even offering my services for free wasn't working. So I thought, well, I'll just be panicked every day when I wake up in paradise. So I thought, I'll just start driving, just like run, forest, run, and I'll put together a project that shows people what I can do out of whole cloth. And I thought of Humans of New York, that project that Brandon Stanton put together with photos of people in New York City, and he interviewed them and became a book and social media. So I thought, I'll build a website, I'll interview Americans of the pandemic, because I was curious how people were doing out there. And so that's what I did. Now, one of the things I was very fortunate about is that that 2006 motorhome that I had, I, we had bought in 2006 when I homeschooled my kids and I road schooled them in caravan with my parents for 10 months once all over the United States. And then again for mm -hmm. four months, two years later, all over the US and Canada. And so driving the motorhome out to Yellowstone or to LA or wherever was no big deal for me. And so that really was a resource that, was very, very important to my story. And so basically what I did was I just leaned in on my confidence in myself that, you know what, Michelle, you have a lot going for you, even though nobody wants you even for free, you know what your value is. Screw them, basically, and let's just go do this. And that's what I did. You know, as you're telling this story, I'm thinking of what I would do if I had a motorhome. And I, you know, one of the things that comes up initially for me is how do you park the damn thing? You know, I don't know how big your motorhome is, but, you know, I have friends who have an Airstream and they had to take like this whole big course in how to park their motorhome. But there are all kinds of challenges with being on the road also as a single woman. I, um, I would actually disagree, Bonnie. I mean, I don't find that okay. at all. And maybe, and maybe that's because when I went out the first time in 2006 for 10 months, I had seen my parents do it. You know, the, you can't okay. be it unless you see it. And my mom is all of about five, four, and she drove a 40 foot uh, motorhome towing a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Mine's only a 30 foot motorhome and I don't tow and I don't have slides. And so basically, it's like a big Tesla that you can live in. All you have to do is unplug the electricity and unplug the water hose. So yeah, so I have a water hose. That's the difference between me and a Tesla and the fact that I can sleep in it. And so it's really no big deal. And frankly, I feel safer in the motorhome than I do in a big house with many doors and lots of windows. Um, I always had, you know, wanted to have alarm systems on my house and here I feel snug as a bug in a rug. So I feel very, very safe.
So initially, you so you made the decision to hit the road. And did that happen the same time you were planning this project? Or did you decide, well, I'm going to hit the road? And then things kind of fell into place about what you were going to do on your journey. Actually, it all happened in the same moment in the Target parking mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. So it yeah. was because I didn't want to just say, I'm just going to move into the motorhome without a plan. And even if the plan had to be revised, I still needed to have a plan. So I sat there. And I said, OK, it's going to go to storage, number one. Number two, I'm going to move into the motorhome. What the hell am I going to do in the motorhome? And then out of the blue, like Lightning, who we are now came to mind. And I thought, well, that's what yeah. I'll do. But and the thing is, I really did start it as a project with the with the eye that I was going to then present it to potential employers in December 2020 and say, look what I can do. Hire me. And um, but as I was on the road, people started saying to me, this is a book, right? And I said, no, no, it's not a book. And I just and, and so then a few people who were closer to me said, Michelle, really? This is just a project <laughs> so you can get a job. Isn't that nobody used the word selfish, but it was kind of like a isn't that kind of selfish? I mean, you people want to hear these stories. This could have value to other people. You kind of owe it to the people you interviewed and owe it to maybe posterity to have this be a book, to put this collection, to make that additional effort. So over Christmas of 2020, I sent one email to University of North Carolina Press where um, I had raised my kids and I'd also gone to college there. And I said, is this a book? And they said, yeah, it Mm -hmm. sure is. And so I never expected to be a quote author. But then again, Bonnie, I'm not an author. All I did was collect transcripts from these interviews and move the words around to create an arc, you know, kind of cherry picking the the most interesting part of the story and then sending it back to the person and saying, is this okay? And they said, yes. And then that was it. So all I've really done is collect a hundred stories that are in this book, who we are now stories of what Americans lost and found during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, don't downplay it. (laughs) You know, you say all I really did. Um, There's a lot. But I think it's important. I think it's well, so and I think for me, it's personally important because I don't want to tell people what they should take away from the pandemic or how they should interpret it for themselves or for society. I consider this an offering of stories I've heard and then let others figure out what that collection of stories means to them personally or, or means in a, in a larger way. Mm-hmm. So what challenges? Did you face <laughs> okay. on this journey? So, so when John Steinbeck went out with his dog, Charlie, in 1960 for Travels with Charlie, he wanted to know what Americans were like. And the country was not in a pandemic, so the bars were full, the restaurants were full, the festivals were full. He ran into people wherever he went. Oh, well, right. Where I do you find it, people? <laughs> <laughs> That was the biggest challenge. So here I head out with my dog, Buddy, and Buddy and I head out and like nobody's around. I mean, Bonnie, I have a photo at the beginning of the book of me standing on the bridge between Cincinnati and Kentucky at rush hour. And I I took about five minutes to figure out how to take that selfie. And I, and I swear I was like on that bridge by myself. 
And then I also crossed into West Virginia. I thought, oh, I'm going to go see what kind of brochures they have about West Virginia. So I go into the visitor center and they're all gone. Yeah. There's not a single brochure because they didn't want people to touch them and then have other people touch them. And oh, there was all, so, so this is right. This is in the in the yeah. I started in stages of it. Yeah, I started in September 2020, and it was surreal. And so finding people to talk with was really hard. So at first, I crashed and burned, and then I ended up in Pine Bluff, Wyoming. I think that must have been toward the end of September 2020, or maybe beginning of October. And there was this woman who works for Parks and Rec. They'd had a kite festival out there. And I I wanted to ask her about it. Number one, she was like, why do you want to know about our kite festival? And I said, you have no idea what the people on the East Coast would give right now for our kite festival. (laughs) And she said, oh, I didn't think about it like that. But they had so much space, they could just do it. So she connected me to a bunch of people in the community. And I thought, that's what you do. You don't go to one of these big cities. You go to like a, more, a smaller place. You And I went through Facebook and I would find people who said they were doing different things. And you you talk to them and, and then you find a connector in each town. So I crashed and burned from North Carolina to Wyoming. And then I really started to figure out how to do it as I headed back to North Carolina. So when you say you crashed and burned, what does that look like? <laughs> Walking up to people at a campground and keeping my distance and asking them if I could interview them. And they looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah, mm. that's crash and burn. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I kind of thought that it was more an internal thing, like you were just so frustrated. and But really, it when you say crash and burn, it was that you were frustrated because you couldn't find people. That's right. And it took me a little while to figure Mm -hmm. out the question I wanted to ask them as well. And by the time I hit, I think, um, Indiana on the way out, I'd figured out the question. So I asked everybody the same question. And I was really fortunate that it was a great question. So here it was. It's January 1st, 2020. And usually when I'd start like that, people's eyes would get really big or they'd look far away. And, um, you know, sort of the before times. It's January 1st, 2020. What was your 2020 supposed to be like? And what did it end up being like through to the present? And then people would talk from like 30 to Mm -hmm. 45 minutes um, without breathing, not seem like sometimes. So it it took a while. But, you know, this is like I could not have done this in my 30s, Bonnie, because I didn't have the life experience yet. But at the age of 57, with years of experience being an attorney and interviewing a lot of people for internal investigations. So I learned how to interview people when I was a lawyer. I wrote a lot of columns for the local papers when I was a homeschool mom. So I I learned how to write more in short form. When my kids and I went all over the country with my parents, they were basically professional photographers, and I learned how to be a photographer. So, you know, one of the things that happens is that as we get older in life and society, for whatever reason, things were less capable, we're just so much more capable because we have built this incredible quiver of so many different eras of skills and experiences. And so when I was out there, whenever I would face a challenge, I it just didn't set me back. I just had this very, very certain feeling that I think comes 
with a lot of us when we get older, which is, I've been through a lot already. I, I know I can do this. What, what do I have in mm -hmm. my quiver? Plus, I think there must be some excitement building as you're starting to do these interviews. You know, maybe not with the first one or the second one, but then it's like, you know, a kind of momentum build, right? Where you get more and more excited as you see this project coming together. Did you experience that? Oh, yeah. The really neat thing is how, how much people wanted to talk about their experiences. Yeah. And, yeah. and I had multiple people say to me afterwards, particularly people who'd been in the healthcare field, say, Thank you. I, I really needed to get that all out. And I interviewed Jim Perdue, you know, the uh, president of Perdue mm -hmm. Farms. And I said to him, you know, Jim, I'm just going to ask you this question and you're going to, you know, go for as long as you want. And he said, I'll probably be short. And I said, okay. So I asked him the question <laughs> and he <laughs> finally breathed after he was done. And he said, how long did I go? And I said, 18 minutes. <laughs> he said, mm -hmm. that is the longest answer I've given in my whole life. And so it was energizing because number one, here I was in my time of need, frankly, right? I mean, I really was, mm -hmm. but I wasn't focusing on myself. And there's so much energy that can happen when you focus on others. Because when you focus on the fact that we're all walking each other home and you really immerse yourself into that, it's just, I don't know. It's just love and community. And that is, that makes every day great. So what have you learned about yourself through this? A couple things. One is that my mom, when I was younger, gave me the book, Who Moved My Cheese? And yeah, about how sometimes life doesn't work out. And you, you know, you're, you, you got to go back out into the maze when the cheese is not appearing in the same place. It usually is go back out into the maze and find a new cheese or a different cheese. And you might even like it better. Right. So, so the who moved my cheese? I really enjoy that concept. But now my motto is please move my cheese. And the reason why that's mm. my motto is one nothing I've realized about getting older and having that benefit of getting older is that we get to see these different versions of ourselves. But if everything is comfy, cozy, and our cheese stays in the same place all the time, we, we're, we tend to stay in the comfy, cozy. And the moment the rug is yeah. pulled out from underneath you and you have to do something different, you get to see a different version of yourself. And so I, I begin to, I've begun to think of us as like kaleidoscopes. Each of us is a kaleidoscope who is born with a certain combination of those little pretty little colorful flecks or whatever, right? In the kaleidoscope lens. And every time we turn the lens, even a fraction of a percentage, the, the, the combination redistributes itself and you see a different pattern. And so every time I face a challenge every time I have to kind of reinvent myself. It's exciting. I mean, it's scary at the moment, but it's also exciting because I get to find, to, to experience a different version of myself. Yeah. And that's so important, really, at any age, but it's so important, um, you know, as, as we get older, is to not get stuck where it's comfortable. Um, you know, get stuck in that status quo and really be curious. And I mean, maybe it doesn't mean, you know, getting in a motorhome and going <laughs> across country, but it, 
looking for those opportunities that you're talking about to really stretch and grow. So I really, I really love that. I'd like to ask you what you really learned from the people you were interviewing. And did you find that there was a common theme? I think the common theme is pluck, P-L-U-C-K. We don't use that word very much anymore. The definition is spirited and determined courage. And, you know, I heard people talk about, oh, it's the American resilience that's keeping us going. And this has nothing to do about borders or what country you're in. This is really human is what I realized. I mean, when when we were cave people, however many thousands of years ago, and a saber-toothed tiger came in and took out half the clan, you still had to figure out how to eat the next day, how to take care of the kids, how to find water, et cetera. And, and this pluck, this spirited and determined courage is something that I think really has everything to do with how strong we become as a species. And, you know, if we didn't have kids, I don't know if we would have such, quote, spirited courage because we might just like, you know, get in a little ball and just say, forget it. But my goodness, when your kids are watching you, and when you've got to think about your kids and what your role modeling and what their needs are, it has to be spirited courage. And I think people also did that for each other, not only in their families, but with their friends and their communities. I mean, when we saw the people in Spain and Italy on their balconies, you know, singing and, yeah, and, and using pans, I mean, that's pluck. And that's what I found in the book, even for the people who lost loved ones, the spirited and determined courage ran strong. Wow. What do you find they most wanted and needed? Good question. Um, each other. That, I think that's basically Commu- it. Community or? Community. I think what, did, well, who, who just recently, Bonnie, you probably saw this in the New York Times or something about, they ran that series on what it, what's required for happiness in Harvard or somebody just did yeah. a study, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, and they said the number one thing was relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships. No surprise. Yeah. No surprise. So, you know, as you're interviewing these people who, I mean, who are really coming out of isolation to talk to you. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> right? There must have been this sense of, uh, this sense of freedom, you know, that, somebody's finally listening to me. Is there a particular interview or two that stand out that you'd like to talk about? There's My favorite one is actually not in the book because Calvin did not want to be in the book, which is huh. fine. Mm-hmm. And I met, him, I met him on a roadside in Marfa, Texas. He's from Alpine, and I needed some air in my tires, and I saw this pickup truck. And I said, do you know where I get some air? He said, well, I've got a generator. So he just blew up my tires. But as Calvin and I were talking, he, I said, well, how's it going for you? And he said, things are great, actually. He said, I feel, you know, strange saying that. He said, but I have a, a large farm and we let people come and hunt and we have cabins and, you know, everything we do is outside and outdoors. And so things have been actually really good for us. And he said, you know, he said, I thought so much about the restaurant owner, for example, in New York City. He said, I really wonder yeah. how people like that are doing. And I, he, I said, 
Well, as a matter of fact, Calvin, I just interviewed Dominic remotely yesterday from New York City. He's a restaurant owner, and it's January 31st, 2021, and his restaurant is still closed to indoor dining, and he is taking a financial bath, and he is really upset. And he and had Calvin to let said, people go, probably. Yeah, and Calvin said, "Would you, if you talk to him again, which of course I did, and I've now had dinner at Dominic's restaurant since then, but I, he said, please let him know that a rancher in Texas is thinking about him. And and almost every interview I did, the person would say to me afterwards, how are other people doing? Oh, and yeah. so this this sense of, I know- So I'm you not, were a connector in a way. You were building this little community. I was. And so when people kept harassing me, literally, to put this book together, I I realized- that this this sense of wanting to know how others were doing, that by hearing other people's stories, people were healing. And then I also realized that by by the generosity of all these hundreds of people's time by telling me their story, that I had been healing and that we really need to hear each other's stories. And one of the things we did with the book is we did not put photos in it, even though I had them, because I I want what I think happens is that if you just listen to another person's words, you can find a nugget in everybody's story that has meaning to you or relates to you or resonates. But if you see the person's photo, sometimes our our minds shut down and say, oh, nothing that this person says could be relevant or everything this person says could be relevant. So the book does not have photos of the people in the stories for that reason. I, I think as I'm listening to you talk about the book, it must also be a time capsule of, you know, where we were because we so easily move on and forget. But just when you were talking about standing on the bridge between, <laughs> you know, Cincinnati and, and Kentucky, I'm thinking, I remember when the 101 here, which is the biggest freeway here in California, there wasn't one car. There wasn't one car in the beginning. There was nobody going out. So to talk to people, to interview people when they're kind of in the throes of this, to me, it it just seems like a time capsule of, you know, of that point in time when we experienced this in a variety of ways. Certainly, Dominic was different than the rancher. But we all had some really profound experiences during that time that you're helping us connect with and remember. Yes. Yes. And Bonnie, you'll be glad to know when you see the cover of who we are now, it has the city of L.A. with the freeway coming in with not a single car on the freeway. That is the cover of the book. Wow. Okay. And that was chosen specifically to to highlight. Yes. Where where we were. Yep. So what's next for you? Mm-hmm. Do you have another project lined up? Are you going to continue to be a nomad? Well, I'm going to continue to be a nomad. I've had one of the benefits of living in my motorhome is that I've been able to be available to family members when they've needed me. And my parents' house 
got hit by Hurricane Ian, and and then my dad passed in December. So I have had I had a rough fall and winter, and my mom said to me, Michelle, you need to go do something joyous. And mm. so I'm gonna take off in the motorhome again, and I'm gonna interview people and take videos of and photos of people who live in unusual circumstances like mine. So people living in school buses and vans and lighthouses and boats and tree houses. And so that's going to be the next book. That sounds fabulous. Can't wait for for that one to come together. What do you like most about being on the road? Well, I didn't used to be the kind of person who could deal with uncertainty. Um, really? Yes. I would never know that, Michelle. My God. I know. This has been such a mind bender. But now I'm very comfortable in uncertainty. And when I think about, okay, should I, you know, buy a place here or rent a place there, like putting down roots? Every time I think about it, I just can't do it. And so I just want to keep exploring and not having to say, okay, so, you know, um, I have to get on a plane to go here. Or I just, I, I guess I'm just not ready to settle down. Yeah. And, and why would you? Yeah. I mean, part of me feels weird for being 60 this month and not having a boyfriend or a spouse or any kind of partner and not having a home and being on the fringe of society. Is it lonely? Is it lonely on the road? No. No, not when you have a project and you're seeking out people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I was just wandering around taking photos of animals or birds, I think I would be so lonely. But my whole point of being out here is to meet other people. So no, I'm not, I'm not lonely, but I, I'm, I'm so on the fringe of society. It feels like because I don't have the things I'm supposed to have at 60. That it feels odd, but also when I homeschooled my kids, a friend of a quote friend of mine across the street in my neighborhood said to me, Michelle, why do you always have to be so different? And Uh, I thought that was a strange question. That was when I decided to homeschool. And so I guess I've been on the fringe before and I guess I am again, but we each get to create our own lives, right? So this is mine. Yeah. Yep. I love it. And Michelle, thank you so much for being on Badass Women and sharing your story. And again, I want to say your book is Who We Are Now, Stories of What Americans Lost and Found During the COVID-19 Pandemic, and coming out March 14th this year. And where can my listeners learn more about you and the book, et cetera? Sure. So my website is easy. It's who we are now dot us, and um, you can buy the book wherever books are sold. As they say, there is a, a a book page on the website, so you can see who you know the different online outlets that are offering. And of course, the indie bookstores in your hometowns they'll be offering it as well. So uh, you know it'll be pretty easy to find me. Great, thank you again for for being on Badass Women, and thank you everyone for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review and subscribe. Special shout out to my producer that I am music group. And if you're interested in podcasts, they're terrific. I am musicgroup.com. 
I love Michelle's story. And I also, you know, I especially love how she sees aging as an opportunity to change and learn more about ourselves. Of course, you don't need to pick up and hit the road to do that. We can practice self-awareness in the comfort of our homes or anywhere for that matter. It's just a matter of making it an intention and focus. But what a great opportunity it is to do the self-reflection and find the many facets of who you are, as Michelle was describing. So grab that opportunity, hold up the mirror, and take the time to acquaint yourself with yourself, because that's pretty badass. Till next week, be bold and be your badass self.